Good evening, and welcome to the Lotus Flower Podcast with your host, Reverend Curtis L. Robinson Sr. and the Reverend Dr. Pamela Robinson. The Lotus Flower Podcast aim is to educate, equip, and empower our listening audience while sharing culturally relevant educational topics. The common name for the lotus flower is the water lily. It has the characteristics of opening in the morning and closing during the night. The lotus flower grows in murky water and it rises and it blossoms through this murky, dirty water to become a beautiful pink and white flower. It signifies strength as it moves from the dark into the light. It also symbolizes inner strength and that it shows the determination to come out of difficulties and blossom and bloom into what the Lord would have it to be. The very delicate flower is likened to that of the Lotus Flower Podcast as we interview our guests and as they share their their stories, they fill the atmosphere with an aroma that is sweet and that is positive and that is able to draw others into a space where the Lord can empower them and break up the follow ground and change things around in their life. Today, our special guest is none other than my cousin, Elder Reginald Deshaun Heyman. Elder Reginald Deshaun was born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. He's married to his sweetheart wife, Latitha Marie Heyman. They have two children who are their pride and joy. Per Elder Heyman at the age of 13, he would go from house to house sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, my ministry actually started in the streets. Elder Heyman is also known as Kingdom Radical. He was licensed and ordained as a minister in 2014. Elder Heyman and his family are faithful members of the Resurrection Church on the Rock in Cleveland, Ohio. In May of this year, God saw fit to elevate him into the office of pastor, where he operates as the pastor of missions. He leads in prayer, walks, street evangelism, and in prison ministry. He is an anointed and appointed musician, a rapper, a singer, and an actor. Everything that he does is only to bring glory to Jesus Christ. Several months ago, he went on a short-term mission trip to Costa Rica. It was the most wonderful and empowering week of his life. And I'm saying that myself. As I saw his Facebook post, I was so moved by his experience. It really reminded me when my husband and I and our young adult daughter went over to Haiti for a missions trip. And it just brought back so many good memories to me until I said, I've got to talk to my cousin about that experience and have him share broadly on this platform. I'm so thankful that he agreed to give us a little bit of his time and share how the Lord used him to bring to life that scripture. You know it all. That scripture that talks about the Great Commission in Matthew 28 and 19. It talks about how the Lord will use us to actually bring the lost into his kingdom and to make disciples in his name. And we thank and praise God that my cousin, a very selfless person with a lot of passion for serving in the kingdom of God, saw fit to take time out of his schedule today to share with our podcast audience about his trip to Costa Rica. Elder Deshaun, would you like to share with us now?
Elder Deshaun, would you like to hear now? Yes. Can you can you hear me fine? Yes, I can. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Thank you. Thank you, cousin, for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, Costa Rica was was amazing. Um, when we first when we first got there, it's it's really different. The atmosphere was a lot different than what it is um, in the states. Um, as soon as we got off the plane, I was I was telling the the pastor that we were meeting up with is a uh, pastor Christian from um, Lion of Judah Ministries. I told him when, when we got there through our translator that um, that if I could feel um, a heavy spirit of witchcraft that that was down there, and he um, and he confirmed that what I was feeling was correct. Actually, the way he um, came to Christ during the time. When he was a young man, he was actually a Satanist. And it, yeah, and it was a guy that was on the street that would sell food that saw him and ministered to him. And he actually attacked the guy, knocked his food cart over, and the guy kept on telling him, like, Jesus loves you. So he said that um, after that, he, he couldn't understand. He's like, I attacked this guy, um, and he's still telling me that the Lord loves me, even though I didn't tore up his business or, or whatnot. So he began to to basically be discipled by by that brother that he attacked and and he uh, renounced Satan and did all of that and um and he's been pastoring for like twenty four years or something now. And that's just like a quick story for him, but a quick testimony of his. But I told him it's like I feel witchcraft down here. The witchcraft is very different. Um, it's very strong principalities down here that's that's hovering over the area. And and I didn't and I just wanted to um, just make make him aware of that. Um, so so when we when we spoke and we went and we and we talked about the different things that was happening during that during that time um he was able to just just give us a briefing on on the different things that we would be doing while we were down there so when we were there um the first the first day we basically were brief we went to the church they were um able to take us around and see um, the facility and things of that nature. And when we were there, they actually had like a, um, a refugee camp. And that's, that's basically the reason we was down there to help with the refugee camp. And what was going on there, the government was actually um, trying to shut their church down because they were basically illegally housing people in the church. But he said, like, we own the building. So is we we had the right to do what we want to do with the building. They built apartments in the church, but they I I don't know if it's zoning issues or whatnot. So basically, the whole time we were down there, they were threatening to put the pastor in jail. So thanks thanks be to God that he's still free right now because his time was supposed to be up. They only gave him a few more days, and he said he's not putting these brothers out on the street because. Everyone who comes through the camp, they're um, they're members of the church now, and they and they work in the church. So, praise God. Yeah. That that is amazing. So when you yeah. were there and you noticed that that spirit of witchcraft was so heavy in the atmosphere, what what did you do to actually combat that spirit from coming over you? Those that were with you. Yeah, every every day while we were down there, we prayed at three a.m. They have they have three a.m. prayer and they go into spiritual warfare every single day at three a.m. And they and they said they've been doing it for years, so we just joined in with them. That's good. And for those in our podcast audience that may they may not know what spiritual war, how do you actually do spiritual warfare? You know, I. I'm definitely abreast of that, and my husband are we in a fivefold ministry. But there are people in our podcast audience that they may not know what it means to do spiritual warfare, and can so you can share with us just a little bit of what that actually means. How does that look? 
yeah, when it when it comes to it is um praying and, and pleading the blood of Jesus against uh the demonic realm, against any um, powers, any principalities. We we definitely plead the blood of Jesus. We bind up things in Jesus' name. We pray against spells, hexes, vexes, whatever, whatever things that they're trying to do. We we definitely we pray that even the Lord would send confusion to what they're trying to do, even if it's something as simple as if they're using something to cast a spell that they lose it. It's mm-hmm. it's nothing that's that's too small when it comes when it comes to spiritual warfare. We pray against it all. Amen. And that's that's exactly what we have to do, especially in the day in which we're living in. There's and I know that witchcraft is a spirit of control. People want to be holding on and controlling things and all. And we know that is spirit is strong in our land. And mm-hmm. we pray that way as well, praying and binding and loosing and con- asking the Lord Jesus to confuse the enemy and actually mm-hmm. to actually put give you all an idea of what they're plotting and planning even before you go out that for that particular day. I, I recall when I was in Haiti with my husband and doing that mission trip, there was a heavy spirit of witchcraft there as well. But mm-hmm. there were believers there as well. Those Christian people, they prayed against mm-hmm. that, just like you said. And it was so good to see that and to see, watch God move. I, I noticed that when I was seeing some of your Facebook posts, I saw that you were baptizing. I know one person for sure, you baptized someone in the, in the river. And it can mm-hmm. it's a picture it, that I'll never forget. The person looked like they were so joyful and you were just overjoyed. Can you tell yeah. me a little bit about what was going on then? Yeah, we actually baptized 15 people um while we were down there. Yeah, that's that's one that's one thing is so it's so funny. They um they called me John the Baptist in Cleveland. So Amen. because um I baptized because because I've been baptized hundreds of people oh, in, in my life, so so I I, I live by the Book of Acts. So Amen. just the way they baptize in the Book of Acts, I'm I'm the same exact way. So Amen. yeah, Amen. yeah but, Amen. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit more about when you were baptizing those fifteen people in a whole other country in Costa Rica. Now, how was how did was that? How did that make you you feel and, and all? where you were doing doing gospel doing the great commission in a whole nother country oh it was it was excellent it's just a, a fulfillment of, of prophecies that's been spoken over my life um it was told to me a long time ago that i baptized people in different countries so i was just i was just so grateful just to take people through that process um and like I said, just operating like the book of Acts, we saw we saw the apostles, they did the same thing. So for me to be able to, to walk, I, I called them my big brothers and big sisters, but for me to be able to walk in, in the footsteps that, that they already trailed for us, I was able to follow in that. And I was just so, so grateful just for so many people because it was only supposed to be seven. And, and when the seven saw... The, well, when eight saw seven go up, is another eight people that just came. So we were so so grateful for that. And that amen. And then after those people are baptized and all, how how will they be discipled so they make sure that they know how to walk with Jesus and mm-hmm. become, you know, a, a baby Christian first, but then grow up in Him? How are they yeah. the process going to work? <laughs> So everyone that we baptized on that day was a part of the refugee camp. So, and the refugee camp is ran by the church. Okay. So those were those were people that when we got there, like we just explained baptism to them. It was a bunch of them that had been baptized. So there's three refugee camps. There's one for the women that they call Cairo stand. It's a refugee one and two for the man. So a lot of them had already been baptized, but those were 15 people that hadn't been baptized. And a lot of them were newer to the refugee camp. So once we explain them to them and, and they'll be discipled by the people that's already, um, already there because to be a part of the camp, you had to be a part of the church. Oh, good. Amen. So do you know for sure that they they will they won't just be baptized and then they'll fall away. And all right. there will be people there that are gonna love on them, they're gonna teach them the word and, and all yes. 
walk them through that and the, the, right now they're on the milk of the word they're going to walk them through how to drink that milk of the word and right Christ Jesus that's the beautiful thing about it and uh, can you tell me um how were you challenged when you were there I know there's had to be some times when you're in a in a situation where the language might be a little different than ours and their faith mm -hmm. level is a little different and their culture is a little different than ours and all so those can be it could be stress but it could be it could be good stress because there's a such thing as good stress and the challenges to come along with that and so how would you say you were challenged when you were spending the time over there well that's uh one thing we uh we had one translator so a lot of times and people were always asking for prayer okay. so a lot of times we had to wait on the translator to come back and forth so that that was something but even when it came to that a lot of people even though we we didn't know the language i i know a tiny bit of spanish there um another person that was in our mission group she's pretty she's pretty fluent in spanish but we couldn't pull the translators all the time, but we just had to trust in the anointing of God to still lay hands on the people and, and pray whether they knew what we were saying or not. And it was just amazing because we were praying for people and they didn't know what we were saying was still just in tears. So I know, I know they just really felt the Lord through the prayer, through the prayers. Man, the Holy soul, the Holy spirit, the spirit of God itself transcended yes. and did the speaking for you all that now that had to be powerful in itself yes it definitely that. was yes now when you all spent how many days did you all spent over there we were down there um six days okay and then in the six days where did you have was it like a structured um six days where every day you got up you had a schedule or was it more free free flowing and, and open yeah, they they pretty much told us what we were going to be doing every single day, but things things changed. They they did they did real. It's um the mission group I believe is called um Christ for the City, so they had everything structured and planned out. But sometimes the Lord just moved in a different way, so we just end up doing different stuff. But the basis of the ministry down there was was feeding and praying for people. We did that every day okay feeding you're feeding them and praying for them yes they do breakfast lunch and dinner or just um it was is some some days it was like um like a brunch time then a dinner time so basically what we did was we um we got like food trucks mm -hmm. and we would go through the villages and we would pass out food and whoever wanted prayer, we would pray for them. Then we, but we had like ministry stuff, like uh, what well, that is ministry, but like Bible studies almost three times a day. We have one in the morning. Then after we fed people, we come back and have another one. Then later on that night after dinner, we have, we have another one. That's good. And were the people coming to all, all three times? Oh, uh, they came. Yeah, they came every those those people were so hungry for the word they came every single time thanks god that's good now did you all run it like um did you have like a time of praise and worship as well for them even though mm -hmm. yeah every every single time we had we had bible study we all had praise and worship i i took my acoustic guitar down there then it was a couple of brothers from the refugee camp that actually played acoustic and the people in Costa Rica, they love to praise God. Oh, crazy. They really do. That's good. And so in the songs that you all sang with them, you know, we'd have some songs that are like, yes, this is a basic song, but like, yes, Jesus loves me. And, and songs like that, that are just really universal songs that people, all of us know, even if we don't sing them or sing language. Were, were you able to actually get on one accord with some of the songs that were being sung together? Um, yes. Um, uh, what ended up happening is uh, before we went, our um, it's another mission leader, Pastor Rachel. She has been to El Salvador before. So when she went to El Salvador, she, um, she learned a lot of songs in Spanish. Okay. So like, even songs that we sing, like they love Waymaker. 
they love Waymaker and they love Yeshua and like Lord you are good. So oh. we learned we learned those songs in Spanish. So when they when it, by me being a musician, when they would start playing them, I automatically knew what song they were playing because the chords are all the same, right. and we were able to sing those songs. So it is actually easier to sing in Spanish than what it is to speak in Spanish for me because I learned the Spanish songs really fast. Oh, good. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And also, I, I love music. Music is ministry in itself, and it's like it goes right to the heart. And we know that you being uh, and Haman, you know, Jesus Haman, like I was my dad, my dad and his grandfather were brothers. And all through mm -hmm. our family line, a podcast audience, we all sang all through the church. And some of them didn't sing in the church, but they all were singing and playing some type of instrument. So I know mm -hmm. that my cousin here definitely has that running through his veins. <laughs> and I'm sure it was beautiful. Now, um, when I think about that, the mission trip that you went on and all, when, when we go on mission trips, sometimes it really allows us an opportunity to, to stretch ourselves outside of our normal comfort zone. Because I believe this was your first trip, but missions trip, wasn't it? Yes. So if that was your first mission trip, can you, can you tell me how did you find yourself being stretched outside of your comfort zone, things that just are familiar to you here in the States, but they probably very unfamiliar to you over there. Oh yeah. Um, the biggest, the biggest thing was probably, um, we take it for granted the access that we have to clean water. And, and that was like a, a big thing. Like when it came to a showering, um, they basically was telling us being that we're not from there, don't shower. Okay. So that was that was pretty hard. Just um, having to use like wipes and uh, um, and bottled water mm -hmm. to to bathe yourself. And it's always it's not. I wouldn't say it's very humid. Like the the weather down there is really really nice. It was between seventy five to eighty five the whole time. Oh. But when you're walking through the village and there's a bunch of bugs and stuff, you want to clean yourself. And right. it rained a lot, so it was a lot of mud everywhere. So. We got to the point to where I just said I'm taking one regardless, and, and God protected me. I didn't have to deal with any parasites, but it was, I guess, um, some people who came there before us end up getting sick um, dealing with those parasites because they were showering. Yes, and 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 that that part of it, I I can identify with you as well. When we were in Haiti. They told us the same thing, not to shower with that. Well, we were able to shower with cold showers and not get it in your eyes. Don't get it in your mouth. Don't get it anywhere that could go inside of you. And it was those showers were cold because the infrastructure wasn't in place mm -hmm. and no drinking of the water. So I can identify with that. Now, when you did go down, when you before you went, you had to get um, I would imagine you had to get several um, vaccinations, didn't you, in order to prepare Oh no! Not to go into Costa Rica. We didn't. We didn't have to get anything. So you didn't, oh, you didn't huh. have to. Uh, you didn't have to get um, any vac any special vaccinations, hey? No, they didn't. They didn't make us get anything. Now, when I was supposed to go to Kenya before the pandemic had um, canceled everything, they had a list of shots that we would have had to get to go over there but to go to Costa Rica they just wanted us to have a, um, a negative COVID test that's it oh that's amazing that's amazing mm -hmm. I know when I went we had to get I'm, I kid you not at least 12 shots oh wow and and all from to protect us from all the parasites that you spoke about and everything so so did you feel that you were adequately prepared and and when you went over to that other country before going to Costa Rica and in all, I'm gonna back it up a little bit before going to Costa Rica, uh, what type of preparation did, did you receive prior to leaving? Uh, we had a we had a bunch of bunch of briefings um, over Zoom because the people who already been on admission trips we were speaking to someone that's in Costa Rica that permanently lives down there. Um, my pastor's mother and sister, they live in South Carolina. They have previously already been on uh, mission trips. They, that's their lives. They go on mission trips everywhere. They're missionaries. And 
they they basically just will brief us on different things and just tell us how how to respond to different things and, and stuff like that. But it was it was more being led by the Holy Spirit than anything. That's great. That's great. And so you um, met, you said, over Zoom for several uh, preparation sessions and then already having that pastor's uh, wife, uh, not wife, but his um, some of the family members had already gone. They were able to let you know what to expect. But, but most importantly, I hear you saying that the Holy Spirit was doing the leading and guiding already. So you already felt that you were going to be just fine and knowing how to navigate the environment and, and get along because your trust in the Lord for him leading you. Is, is that what I hear you saying? Because of your trust that you knew the Holy Spirit was going to lead and guide your paths anyway. Yes, that's, that's correct. It's, it's the same thing as um, I do like night prayer walks in Cleveland. And it's, it's the same exact thing. Like Holy Spirit, lead me to wherever you want me to go, be before me, and I just completely submit myself unto the Lord, and just and just let Him do the work. I just be a vessel because I know if I depend on the Lord, then I'll be fine. Yes, and so what is the the? I'm going to ask you to tell me what are the what are three things that you enjoy the, the most when you were there. If you have to um, think of three things. Three things. Okay. Um, the the fellowship with brothers and sisters that love the Lord from a different part of the world. It was just amazing just to um just to see people that just love God that looks nothing like you or that doesn't speak the same language or anything like that. My the church that I'm at is a very diverse church, but I'm talking about just different from people in the United States and just to see the love that they have for God. That was, that was amazing. And of course the, the baptisms, I, I live life to baptize people. I just, I just, I just love that. Then, um, from a non-spiritual perspective, um, I would guess the food, those people, they can really cook. Oh, it's, a, it's, it's a lot of, um, beans and rice, Okay, but they do, they do a, a amazing job cooking. It was, it was excellent. Oh man, and probably a lot of good seasoning too. That Mexican oh, yeah. seasoning. Oh yeah, it was it was great. A lot of a lot of different different tastes, stuff that I never tasted before. We ate like a lot of fish down there, so it was it was, and I love fish, so it was great. That's good. And then what is one other thing that would you say that was the one of your top three? Um just being able to help people that that are a lot less fortunate, the the poverty that's in America does not compare to the to the poverty that's down there. What we consider poor, at least in Cleveland, is not even close. I was seeing people coming out of shacks, and it's like ten people living in a in a small hut that looks like if the wind blows too hard, it's gonna fall over. We were praying for little girls, um, seven to eight years old that's battling cancer, that had tumors that you can see the size of golf balls on their arms and just different just different things like that and just seeing how excited they were for us to come with with food and the, and the people who were giving them the food it's like they don't they don't have a lot of money themselves but they were sacrificing what they had to to help others out so that was that was a very very humbling experience that's probably the greatest experience Oh, praise God, praise God. And just uh, did you witness at the Lord um, actually healing, manifesting while you were there? By, by faith, I definitely believe that that God had healed a lot of people that was dealing with certain circumstances. Um, we're still waiting on testimonies to come back. And we just trust that that the people that we pray for, that that God that God did it. And I definitely believe that he did. I know that we had testimonies from a refugee camp and they said that when we came and we left, they never had a group of missionaries that they felt was so spiritually in tune with God. And it was some people who, who were relapsing because the, the crack epidemic down there is way different than what it is here. A lot of those people were strung out on crack at nine and 10 years old. Oh my! Nine yeah, oh. nine and ten years old, 
the the brothers that were giving their testimonies and the sisters, they were telling us they started smoking crack as little kids. And it's been it's been a few that I that I really stay in contact with that told me like they wanted to go back, but since we came, they refused and they're standing strong for the Lord. Praise God. Nine or ten years old. That's that's oh that's crazy. But the thing is, when you talked about the healing manifest manifesting, we, we know how the Bible says that 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 one man, that the seed, one man is gonna plant that seed, you know, mm-hmm. and another man is going to water the seed, but God is going to give the increase in all. So I believe that, you know, by faith, like you said, the testimonies are going to come back. The Lord, those seeds have been planted. They are going to sprout and, and the yes. is going to come. It might take two weeks or it might take five, seven years, five to seven years, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen in all. Amen. We walk by faith and, and, and not by our sight and natural eyes and all. Now, if you had to think of three things that you maybe didn't quite enjoy so much about the missions trip, what might those three things be? Um, I could really only think of one. On a on the way back, we had to sleep at the airport because the connecting flight didn't leave until the next morning. But other than that, I I enjoyed every every moment of it. I I mean, if I can change the circumstances of like the living conditions of the people, that's that's something that that I didn't like. But I understand that God knows what He's doing, and everything happens for a reason. But outside of that, I I enjoyed every moment. It was it was heavy on my heart. Just um just seeing the the children, just seeing people suffering, seeing all the trash that was just in the middle of the street and, and just different things like that. People not having clean water. Mm-hmm. That's, that was, that was painful, but the mission trip in itself, I enjoyed every moment of it. Amen. Amen. And it was heavy on your heart to the degree that what did you do with that, that heaviness? Oh, it, it really, the heaviness, it humbled me and I had to, and I had to really pray up like the Lord, allowed me to feel that burden so I can have something else to pray for and something else to even bring back home to continue to pray for. I still continue to pray for my brothers and sisters that's down there and in the situations that they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And as you are praying for them and those situations and whatnot, are you also in hoping and praying that maybe the Lord would allow you to maybe go back there or even go to on another mission trip somewhere else in a different part of the world. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm already told them I'm coming back. I already prayed. It was heavy, heavy on my heart. I know that I'm going back to Costa Rica a few more times. Mm-hmm. I know, I know I have to, I have to go back. It's just that, that, to, that pull by the Holy Spirit for me to go back down there. It's like, it's, it's been rested on me. So I have to go back. And it's to the point where, where you, do you feel like you will actually encourage others that are part of your, your church or those that are part of your circle to, to actually take part in a mission trip as well? Do you feel Yes, I'm. I'm actually building my own team now, so so it's uh, the Lord put it on my heart to start building my own team. So I already got some people that committed outside of my wife and my children are going to go. Um, we have someone that we call a little sister. She's like a sister to her. That me and my wife we took in. We taking her. Then my one of my good friends from Canada, him and his wife, they're going to come with us too. So. I'm just asking the Lord, who else do we need to bring? Oh, that's good. That's good. And when you go over, over to Costa Rica, do you have to have um, any special, any special, I know he said you didn't have to have at that point, the, the, but just that uh, negative COVID test and then those uh, vaccinations weren't required. But do you have to have any other special um th- things to get in? I know you have to have the passport, but is there anything else that they require of Americans before they allow you into their country? No, they just, um, just a negative COVID test, of course, the passport, and you have to have like a, um, a traveling insurance for them. And, and, and that's, that's it. They don't ask for anything else. I see. That's excellent. Now I'm going to switch over a little bit. And cause I was reading over your bio that you sent me and I've 
I read that it said that at the tender age of 13, that you started your ministry. Actually, then you were going from house to house, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ as a little teenager. Can you tell me a little bit about what drew you at the age of 13 to start going from house to house and spreading the gospel? Uh, vacation Bible school. So I was at, um, at actually at my mother's church, um, Zion Pentecostal Church of Christ. And we had vacation Bible school that summer in July. And it was a couple of older guys. That, um, like one of them is like a, like a Christian producer. Another one is a Christian rapper. And they just made, because I grew up in church, but the way they shared the gospel with me, they made it really attractive for like a, like a teenage kid. Mm-hmm. And they made me excited like a, about Jesus. So um, I actually, they, they talked to me, I ended up getting baptized that night. And when I got baptized, I went home and I just started, I went to my friend's house and I was telling them like, Hey, I got baptized. Like you need to do this. You need to do that. And, and God is so good. And, and just, and, and I just, after I knew it, it was about 11 o'clock and I actually, I actually was going to get in trouble. But when I told my mom what I was doing, then I didn't, I didn't end up getting in trouble. Cause I was like, wow, I just started telling people about Jesus and I just couldn't stop. Oh, so man. yeah, she, she understood how excited I was. She was just like, next time, just let me know where you went, <laughs> where you going? Because she had no idea where I was, but I just went to all my friends' houses and oh, I was just man. telling them what was going on. Hey, Amen. And, and, and when you went to tell your friends, did your friends receive what you had to say? Yes. Yeah, some of them did. Not all of them, no kids. Some of them laughed at me. But but a few of them actually did. So it's and it's good. Um, one of them, I was just talking to her not too long ago, and she's she's really on fire for the Lord right now. So I thank God for that. So how how did you um, how did you deal with the fact that some of them laughed and some of them did not receive what you had to say at that time? How did you handle that to the degree that it, it discouraged you and make you want to stop what you were doing? Honestly, I don't I don't know. I guess I just put something in me to not really be faced by it. I was I was kind of used to being kind of kind of laughed at because I was the, the church kid anyways growing up and and I couldn't stay out late because we had to go to service and my mom would come get me we'd be playing basketball in middle street and I had to hop in the car because we had to go to bible study so I was kind of already already kind of used to it so I was prepared for it and I guess once I really start sharing the gospel it would it would get frustrating uh, a little bit but it's like a piece of come over me because I knew I was doing what I was supposed to do Mm-hmm. That's excellent. So you did not allow that to stop you. Sounds like no, not at all. Mm-hmm. And as you were uh, growing up into your, you know, as thirteen, and you went all the way up to like to get into to your twenties and all of that, you know, and we have the world out here. We have TikTok, and we have Facebook, and we Instagram. We have all this social media that's coming in on, on us. And then not only that, you have the streets and what people are doing out there in the world and all the negative drama that goes on as a young person and especially a young African-American male, how, how did you, how were you able to not be, uh, be swallowed up and drowned by all that stuff, especially living in Cleveland and, and whatnot and, you know, all this stuff going on. I'm sure many, some friends of yours, maybe high school people you went to school with were drawn into all that. So how were you able to actually from all of that and not be pulled into it and stay strong and on fire for the Lord like you have have been since the age of 13. Yeah, it was it was a short period in my life where I did fall into into that mess. And I just and I and I really thank God for his redeeming power. Um, I was I was really, really on fire uh, from 13 till about I would say 19 and when I got to 19 I, I went off to college and when I went off to college I was in the 
in the world that I I didn't know at at all. Um, I I kind of stayed to myself. I I would play basketball and just do my schoolwork. Then I never forget they shut down the gym, and when they shut down the gym, um, instead of me being in the gym all night when my roommates would would go to the parties. I ended up starting going to the parties with them. And that's when I saw things really going south. Um, then I ended up leaving school and coming back home. I was Depression hit me really, really bad. And I got into the world, started just doing doing crazy stuff. Um, just a lot of, a lot of like robbing and, and just all, just all types of foolishness. But it didn't it didn't last long. It was kind of like I think about the prodigal son and when he was in in that in that pig pen and he just realized like like, man, if I go back home, he was like the servants, they they eat better than this. That's right. The ones that work for my dad. And I and it's and it kind of hit me like this is not who I am. This is a, this is the environment that I that I grew up in. Um, but God saved me from this and he kept me. During during all this time, I was around the same people in the same neighborhoods, and God kept me. And I realized I had got to the point to where I was worse worse than them, and I ended up moving to Florida. Uh I moved to um to Pensacola, and and I hated it down there. I was like, I'm from I'm from the city. Now I'm down here in this little country place, and it's hot, and these bugs are big. But it's like, like when I went down there, it was actually my mom. She um, very, very in tune with the Lord. She had um, called me at 147 in the morning. I'll never forget. And me and my friends, we were actually getting ready to break into somebody's house. And she said that God told her to get me out of there. And I just, I just started crying. She had no idea what was going on. And she came and got me. We went to where I was staying, got all my stuff. And I moved to Pensacola and I was there for four years. Wow. Yeah. And and while down there, it was I was like, you can't even find trouble down there. It was where it was. So (laughs) so I was able to get myself um, back together. Mm -hmm. And it's like I I shook myself and I went back to the Lord. So amen. And the Lord and the Lord redeemed you back to right where Mm -hmm. he already had a hook in your nose anyway. So, you know, you weren't going to go very far. And right. when you talked about the prodigal son and you had that and your mom called you that night and she and she didn't even know what was going on. I would I would imagine with her being so in tune to the Lord and all, which I, I am aware of your mom and I know your mom is very in tune to the Lord and all. When you likened that to the prodigal son, was what you say was she acting as the prodigal father acted when he brought his son back into the fold and he loved him and he forgave him and he didn't hold anything against him at all. Yeah, um, she didn't. Or my my dad didn't hold anything against me either. Mm-hmm. But I I know my mom. She just felt like it was best that I got out of Cleveland, and it and and it really helped me out because even though as much as I because I love Florida, I just don't love Pensacola. Right. I love all the other parts of Florida. So by me being being down there it it made me get myself together and it really it really helped out a lot and especially um even with my dad he he would call me a lot so it's it seemed like it seemed like I even got closer closer to my natural dad um being in Pensacola than than even up here like we talked a lot he helped me out with a whole lot of stuff and and my mom, so I really thank God for my uh, for my parents and them just having a strong spiritual foundation, them having faith in the Lord. It was it was really easy for me to come back, like you said. God had to hook my nose. I wouldn't go far, but it was um just the spirit of depression. Um, the church that I was in, I I don't say church hurt because if you get hurt at your job. You wouldn't say you is job hurt is 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 a person. So a lot of people they were treating me really really bad, and I was really striving to come back to the Lord, and it and it really put like a bitter taste in my mouth, and that's what really kind of pushed me out into the world. That's why I always tell people if you represent the body of Christ, you really represent the body of Christ because you can run people right to hell. That's so right. and so, um, just just having them 
um, helping me being down there in a place I wasn't familiar with. That's where my mom is from. So I was down there with my grandmother and my um, and my aunts and and my cousins. So and I wanted to be an example for them. They they weren't they weren't safe yet. So and I had one cousin that that told me when I got down there, he was like, you're different. And and he was like, before you ain't act like this. That's exactly what he said. And when he said that, I was like, you know what? I need to go find a church. Amen. I was like, I, ha- I have to. Amen. Was he a younger person? Yeah, he was younger. He's about, I want to say he's two years younger than me. Oh, my. So that really pricked your spirit. And had, yeah. I think all of us almost like convicted you, it sounds like. Yeah, it really, it was, it was a lot of strong conviction because he actually... Um, I don't know what he's doing now. I haven't talked to him in, in years, but he actually left the church and he was like into like witchcraft. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he was doing a lot of lot of evil stuff. But um, but when I got down there, he was like, "You ain't how you used to be," and he looked me right in, right in my face, and I knew exactly what he was talking about because I was the teenager that was just extremely on fire for the Lord. I didn't care what anybody had to say. I was going to tell you about Jesus. But when I came down there, when I moved down there, the next time I wasn't like that. And and even him and the life that he was living, it it basically to me, it felt like he wanted me to do the right thing so he can come out of what he was doing. That's right. That's right. Look at and look how God works in mysterious ways like that. Mm -hmm. He had somebody that that wanted to be saved and they knew they were not living right looking up to you that knew that you had kind of slid off and the Lord used that person to speak to you and to convict you, you know, mm-hmm. you just don't know who God is going to speak through. And we had to be right. to everybody just because somebody could be tattered and torn and, you know, looking all broke down and even smelling reeking of different things. That doesn't mean that that person right there is the one we should look past. It's the least of those. Like right. go over to that mission mission again. And those people in Costa Rica that had little of nothing, didn't even have infrastructure and all. But God sent you to people just like those people to love on and to bring them into his fold. You know, because he knew, Cousin Reggie, that you had the heart for it because he already had equipped you from what you had gone through in your life as a, from a little kid all the way up to where you are now. He already had prepared you for what you were going to see when you went over to that missions field and all. And I would liken to, I like to liken that to, once again, that lotus flower that I spoke about in the beginning when we talked about that flower that grows in all that murky water and the sand and, and it's, it's filthy, the filth that's down there as that, that, that flower is trying to push through all of that nonsense. And sometimes we think, well, how in the world is it ever going to make it through that? And, but, but God, you know, but God Mm -hmm. pushes it up. He gives it the strength to push all through the dark because it's that inner strength, which is the Holy spirit. That's helping that, that very flower to go out amongst the difficulties and Guess what I said in the beginning? It blooms and blossoms into a pretty pink and white flower that you would never even knew that it had gone through all of the mud that it went through. And I want to talk to tell you that I see that on you. I didn't know your past, but I know that we all have one. And I thank God that you share it today in the podcast about some of the things that you went through that weren't as favorable because it lets our audience see that God's grace and mercy is able to bring us from the uttermost to the guttermost, uttermost, Mm -hmm. up down there in the bottom. It brings us from the bottom and he pushes you all the way up to where you are being seen by man, not because we're trying to get his glory, but God wants to be able to showcase you, cousin Reggie, so the world can see that if he did it for cousin Reggie, then he could do it for me because he's no respecter of persons. And I thank him that you're a young African-American man that's out doing the right thing by him. And because of that, you're able to draw thousands to him. And the baptismal ministry that he's given you, when you said you literally have baptized over hundreds of people, 
not only mm-hmm. in Cleveland, but I'm sure you baptized them in other cities as well. And God has yeah. a strong anointing on your life to do to do that. You know, I liken that to the fragrance that comes off of that beautiful pink flower that I'm talking about, that lotus flower that's on your life. And um, it's very encouraging to hear your story. Now, you did say in your in your bio as well that the Lord recently saw fit to have you ex- as exalted. You were exalted into a position at your church, which is the office of, of the pastor, uh, pastor, I think, of, of the missions part of the church. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about, about what that entails? Yeah, so anything that's um, considered um, anything in the mission field when it comes to um, street evangelism, prison ministry, um, even hospitals. Hospitals have been a little little bit different now because of because of covid we still we're still able to get in there but it's not as easy as what it was before even with the prisons but i'll be able to get back into um the prison the lord gave me um grace with some chaplains so i'll be able to get back into the prisons now too but anything that has to do with anything outside of the four walls i'm pretty much um like the go-to person for that So I do a lot of um, arranging of that. We'll be getting ready to do a prayer walk um, at night in the next couple of weeks. And we'll be doing street evangelism like on on Halloween. Then we have um, a lot of street evangelism stuff that goes on like on on Saturday mornings, too. So praise God. And you are and you said you oversee that entire um, arm of the ministry which is the missions out, out, would you say outreach as well? Part yes. of the church. And um, you also have said that you are a musician, a rapper, a singer, and an actor. So you are, do you rap and sing and you act? Do you do that in the, in your church or do you actually have, or you just do it as the Lord would have you to? At the um. Different different venues. I, I've been in a bunch of bunch of plays and um, and I'm a songwriter, so I, I write a lot of songs that are praise sing sings. Um then when but I rap more than anything else. So I I didn't rap some of some everywhere. That's that's like the ministry that God has given me that I've been using for a lot of years now. I've been doing it since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. And then, and I noticed, I said that you are a husband and you have two children and all, and you all live in Cleveland, Ohio. And I had read on your Facebook page when I was looking on your page that your family seemed like you have a beautiful uh, family and all. Are you all in family and ministry there at the church together? You and your kids or... Yeah, so um, so my wife, she's an evangelist. Um, her name is um, Latila, Latila Heyman. So she's a, she's an evangelist. She's been uh, licensed and ordained minister. Um, I think a couple of years after me, I'm not sure the date. I want to say 2016, I believe, or 2017. But yeah, she's a um, she's an evangelist. She does pretty much a lot of the same things that I that I do. That's like that's like my right hand so so when it comes to when it comes to her and she's a poet too so she's a she she has a, a ministry um called poetically sound where she has people all over america that's that's in her poetry group and she right. and she runs that yeah and it's 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 powerful these 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 poets is is it's beautiful the the things that they do for the podcast audience that might want to look that up. Um, Poetically Sound Ministries. Okay. And is that something that if they, is it on Facebook or is it on Google or if they type it's it in? They can type, type it in on Facebook, on Facebook or either Instagram, but Facebook will probably be the easiest way because that's where the, um, the group platform is. And it's a poetry and it's all types of poetry or is it just one, one type or? Oh, it's all types of poetry as long as it's Christ-centered. I see. That's excellent. And it's, it's a group that she founded herself? Yes. 
Oh, that's excellent. That is excellent. And so she said, is she able to also use that some at the church as well? Yes. Yes. See, um, she, we're actually getting ready to have like, um, it's not really an open mic, I wouldn't call it, but we're having an event for people who are in the arts when it comes to just Christians in the arts. So if people do monologues, if they're poets, if they're rappers, if they're praise dancers, if they're singers, we're actually having it to where we're trying to get it to every other Friday night if we can't get it every Friday night. So to give the young people, not even just the young, but even the older people who's looking to do something um, that's Christ-centered on on those Friday nights to keep people from going to the parties and going to the clubs and, and different things of the nature, especially the younger people, because I realize a lot of times they get pulled into that stuff because they feel like they don't have an opportunity to use their gifts yeah. and and it's different is different gifts in the church like on a sunday morning it's kind of hard to get up and do a, a monologue if the guy right. gave you something it's just it's kind of strange so we're right. just trying to give a um a platform for people who do things like that for the lord because god can use that too that's ex that is excellent so it sounds like like your church is one that is open open and, and not so um rigid and traditional and focus so and being so traditional and and all that they kind of will not allow different gifts to come in and be presented is that correct that's that's definitely correct we're we're about winning souls if it can win souls and it's and it's and it's about it's about jesus and this and the people who are doing it striving to live holy and and different things like that then you can just come on and you can you can do it that's good and this and i think you said that it, it is multicultural then yes yes our church is very multicultural is um it's like black whites and latinos yes. the majority in, uh, of our church is in which you say it's more of um Young people, middle age, or more uh, elderly, or a mixture. Um, it's a mixture. It's a it's a pretty good mixture. But the probably when it comes to our churches, the age range will probably be maybe from twenty five to forty. Probably would be the the median range. But it's a it's a it's a very nice mixture. That's that's great. That is great. And I I am thankful that you are part you know, of a body that's able to help to equip you. And then you're able to actually share your gifts as well. That's the place where we want to be at. That we can receive and we can also give out as well and replenish and get replenished back into. And so I, I am thankful that you were able to spend the time with me this evening and sharing a bit about your uh trip over to Costa Rica. I know that there's a whole lot more that we could have talked about and all may have to do a part two on <laughs> about more of that mission trip. And that was just so powerful. And I just thank and praise God that he allowed you to have that opportunity. And I know for sure it was the beginning of something that's going to be pretty profound in your life and in the lives of your family and your loved ones and abroad, not just here in the States, so just let him use you, Cousin Reggie. I thank him that you were able to uh, be exalted up into the um, pastoral role and all. That's just a wonderful thing to be used by God that way. And I know God has greater in, yet in store for you. Um, is there anything else that you want to share or talk about before we end the podcast tonight? Um, I'm just I'm just so grateful for an opportunity just to be able to share my share my testimony briefly of what's been going on in my life. And I'm really grateful for you, cousin, because it's this this platform is going to be able to bless so many people. I just think a lot of times we we have outlets or avenues for people that's like in the secular world to be able to tell their stories and different things of that nature but it's not enough for the followers of christ to actually be able to share what's going on in our life and in the word of god tell us that we we overcome by the blood of our blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony so 
so far our testimonies to be able to get out it, it i definitely believe 100 percent that it's going to encourage other people to to maybe want to be a missionary maybe want to go out and and do street evangelism because it's 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 the calling is for everyone that that's following the lord you might not travel all around the world but if you live in a neighborhood there go your there go your pulpit there go your place to go preach that's right there. That, that's excellent. That's excellent. And uh, that's the way the Lord wants to see it, doesn't he? You said it starts mm -hmm. at home anyway. And then abroad, you know, mm -hmm. the, right there in the, in the person's home is that mission still. And then right. out of that, then you go. So I thank God that you're doing just what he told you to do. You're walking in your calling and all. It's a beautiful thing to see. And as I watch your Facebook page, we, we are praying as well. My husband and I are praying as well for you and your ministry and your family and your home. And I know it's going to be successful. And if there's anything that we can do to walk alongside you all, we'd be more than happy to do that as well. Uh, once again, I appreciate your time this evening on the podcast. I want my listening audience to know that the podcast airs on Spotify. RSS feed, Reasons FM, Amazon Music Podcast, Google Podcast, and Wix.com, which hosts our website, the Emerging Hope Ministry website. So please share, comment, and subscribe to the Lotus Flower Podcast. Our cousin Reggie podcast interview will be airing the first week of September. So we want you to be sure to tune in to the podcast 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So you don't have to sit down and watch it or listen to it. If you're driving in your car or if you're outside doing the lawn or maybe you're in the kitchen cooking or washing the clothes, whatever you're doing, the podcast is running 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can tune in and listen at your leisure and listen to what Cousin Reggie has shared, because when you listen for a second time or even a third time, the Lord will speak a rhema word to you. That means a specific word to you from what pa Pastor Cousin Reggie has shared, and it'll be something that will be life-changing, I guarantee you, for you. Thank you so much for joining us this evening, Cousin Reggie, and we pray that you would have a blessed evening. Thank you. I pray the same for you. Thank you. Bye-bye for now. Bye.